Tone Deaf is the journey of a musical theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. The reactions to the musicals are real and mostly unedited. This show is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. Now sit back, relax, and have a laugh. You're listening to Tone Deaf. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged. Thank you guys so much for all of your support and your tweets and just your reviews and your comments. We've been loving every single minute of it. And, and just your general awesomeness. Yeah, your general awesomeness. And for putting up with last week's uh, pee-filled episode, I promise <laughs> that won't happen this week. We took a shower afterwards. Now we're good. Yeah. But yeah, um, I just wanted to take some time real quick. Uh, we didn't get a chance to do it before last week's episode, um, but we'll do it this week. Uh, wanted to thank Katya Vetrov for leaving an awesome review on Apple Podcasts. Woo! Thank you, Katya. Yeah, thank you so much. We we just we really appreciate the love from you guys. Um, I also want to kind of celebrate because uh, last week. After the Town episode, we crossed 1,000 downloads. Yes! And um, that also was because um, Cortland from Up All Night uh, pointed us to this app called Podcoin that's really awesome that you can uh, listen to podcasts and then they give you uh, basically points that you can use for either gift cards or to donate to a charity. So it's, it's way awesome. Uh, we uh, were able to claim the podcast on there, and that helps boost it so that more people look at it and listen. And yeah, It was crazy how much our uh, viewership spiked after Kay got us set up on that Yeah. App. So that is super, super awesome, and we definitely want to thank Cortland a whole heaping lot because that just, it just, it's awesome. It's yeah, awesome, yeah. And, we, and we're just super excited and thrilled about that. Yeah, so, again, just, gosh, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. This week, we are covering Snoopy the Musical. So, this is because I completely forgot to have us do this one after uh, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. (laughs) This is the one that's uh, Snoopy Goes to Woodstock, right? Well, actually, Woodstock's in this one. Um, But, no, Snoopy doesn't go to Woodstock in this, uh... I mean, it, it's it is more centered around Snoopy, so it's not the super. Uh, I mean, it is still saccharine sweet, like you're a good man, Charlie Brown. But Snoopy is able to be a little bit rougher around the edges. So get it, rough. Ha ha. But uh, yeah, it's it's. It's a different feel and the same feel at the same time. So It's the same kind of thing where it's just a bunch of non-related yes, shorts. Yes, this will be a bunch of vignettes. Um, but I think it's better. Okay. <laughs> it's still a slice of life, so don't look for a plot um, <laughs> at all. I mean, there's kind of one if you squint, but it, not really... So, because the first one was You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. This one, Snoopy, does that mean it focuses mostly on Snoopy? Yes, it focuses mostly on Snoopy. There is a little bit of 
development with him throughout this one, and that's mostly because um, of the London version, which is what uh, we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but I guess I should start off with who wrote this. <laughs> so uh, music and lyrics were by Larry Grossman and Hal Hackety. The what book- a hack. <laughs> the book was by Warren Lockhart, Arthur Whitelaw, who we would remember from <laughs> You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Uh, he was involved with that one, too, and Michael Grace. Um, much like You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, the set is really minimalist, and I've actually seen the notes for directors with this, and they are very detailed on, this is what the set should be like, this is how many set pieces, this is... So it's very detailed in its minimalism. Yeah, it's like, you need to have, uh, I want to say it's like six blocks and then the doghouse and a cyclorama in the back which is just a sheet that you can project light onto and the light is the only other real change throughout it but otherwise no other set piece and they shouldn't be referring to snoopy as snoopy being able to talk it's they do not understand him because he's a dog sort of thing. So is Snoopy talking during the show and nobody is aware that he's talking? It's pretty much like in the comics, because in the comics it was just the word or the thought bubble for Snoopy, and it was them interpreting his barks and growls to be words whenever they would talk to him, but he didn't bark much in the comics. Does Snoopy finally maul Lucy to death? No, um, he doesn't maul Lucy until Dog Meets God. And Lucy survives, but Aww. Snoopy gets rabies. Or no, he doesn't maul Lucy. He kills Woodstock, and that's when you find out he has rabies in it. Anyway, we'll cover Dog Meets God in another episode. <laughs> Probably a bonus, because it's not a musical. But <laughs> um, So this show premiered in 1975 at in uh, the San Francisco Little Fox Theater. And this Aww. was... That's a cute name. More yeah. theaters need to have cute names. They're like the people I don't care about theaters. But we need more <laughs> little fox. You know, how about how about how about the smiling puppy theater? Can we get some some feel good theater names? The Goober Theater. The Goober Theater. And lattes on the front. Just and looking terrified. Yep, looking scared or concerned. A combination of the two. Um, so. Arthur Whitelaw directed this production, and notably for this one, Pamela Myers was cast as Peppermint Patty, and she's um, notable. She was in Company, which we'll cover later. It's a Sondheim musical, I want to say. And then she also has directed, and she's just, she's a good actress and good director. Cool. Um, The off-Broadway premiere was in 1982 at the Lambs Theatre. The review for this, um, well, I'll read it to you. <laughs> this is from Mel Gusso. He wrote, or Gusso, Gusso, whatever. Gusso. Uh, <laughs> he said, if the musical Snoopy were nose to nose with Mr. David Garrison's performance, Mr. David Garrison was uh, Snoopy, it, it would be subject for celebration. Sadly, this sequel is a hand-me-down. The show meanders all over play school country. The book, which is credited to three individual writers as well as a task force called Charles M. Schultz Creative Associates, is a paste pot of Peanuts dialogue that wanders into various other neighborhoods in order to accommodate the score. Wasn't well received. Yeah, <laughs> which, that was a pretty scathing uh, review. Which kind of is the case for, like, the Peanuts shows never leave off Broadway. 
they like they never go to Broadway. They except for your good man Charlie Brown being revived in the nineties, they don't go to Broadway. They just don't. Um because they're minimalist. They're not some and they're they're not big budget productions. They're not big budget productions and which is kind of a fun thing, and I had meant to say this with the You're a Good Man Charlie Brown episode, that the revival for that was a big production. Oh. Like, they had set pieces that moved, and they they had... It wasn't just the simple set that you normally get that makes this such a good show for schools and churches and stuff. It probably took away some of the charm, I would imagine, doing a really big... Because that's the whole thing, is it's children. It's very young children. And they're playing in shenanigans. It it lends itself to low budget because, yeah. like, what kids would be able to do. And I, as much as I'm not a big Peanuts fan, I can at least still appreciate the the artistic intent behind yeah what they were wanting to do. And it's it's kind of interesting too talking about your good man Charlie Brown. Um, they tried to make it look more like the comic itself rather than. Um, the way that they had done the show previously. And I did see one production that kind of merged the two. So it merged the simplistic nature of the original You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, with the Broadway revival. And this was at the Lambs Players Theater in San Diego, which, or La Jolla. And they are brilliant anyway. Uh, some point we will need to go there to see a show because they've put on amazing productions and they're always good. Uh, they also did Godspell and I saw that one like three times. Mm-hmm, um, nice. Because we, we just went out there because a friend of ours was in, I think it was that a friend of ours was in your good man, Charlie Brown. And then we found that Godspell was going to be the next year. So we got tickets for that and basically planned a trip to go there saved up planned to go out it was awesome nice um and that's pretty much how any theater trips go is let's save for a year <laughs> that's how any of our trips go yeah it's like let's save for two years and then yeah we'll go... two years is more like it <laughs> yeah um so the the performance in london actually did better it was in 1983 and they added in some new songs and that's kind of going to be the version that we're going to be seeing. Um, The version we're seeing was performed in the U.S., but they added three new songs that really uplift the show, and it kind of fixes the issues, in my opinion, musically. Um, And they also gave it a broader orchestration because in the original, you just have the piano. It's not orchestrated past that and in the uh i i wouldn't say it's the revival because there wasn't a proper revival until 2004 for this um but this this basically revival uh adds in other orchestration to make it kind of feel like a more fleshed out show i was gonna say when i think of charlie brown i think of full choir and massive orchestra playing (laughs) That's, epic, epic, that's uh, the Broadway version of your good man, Charlie uh, Brown. <laughs> that one is fully orchestrated. But this, you know, with with Peanuts, whenever I think of orchestration for it, I think bass, piano, 
drums. Basically Vince Guaraldi trio, which is the one who, the, the group that did the Charlie Brown uh, Christmas music, uh, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da for Linus and Lucy, that's Vince Guaraldi. Um, and so that's what I picture whenever I think Charlie Brown. So just having it be piano doesn't feel like enough for me. Having it be a full orchestra feels like too much. It, it like needs o- to be a three-piece jazz quartet. Yeah, I think in full orchestra is a bit of overkill. Yeah. For something that is very known to be lower budget. Yeah, and the other thing is is that this does have that shortcoming for me musically a little bit, is that the music for these Peanuts musicals never really feels completely like Peanuts because it's not Vince Guaraldi because Vince Guaraldi died in the 70s so he wouldn't have written the music for this and he wasn't involved with uh, You're a Good Man Charlie Brown but it feels so Peanuts has very heavy jazz influences in the cartoons and in the specials and you don't get that with the musicals really you might get a little bit of it here and there, but otherwise you don't. That's too bad, because jazz is great. It is. It really is. Um, the closest that you get is the revival version of Your Good Man, Charlie Brown, having Supper Time become sort of a jazz version. And even then, it doesn't feel like the traditional Peanuts music. Um, so this is a show that I actually loved as a kid. I absolutely loved it. When I was young and dumb, I wanted to try and put on a version of Snoopy because I was like, this is the best show and I want to do it. And I kind of (laughs) love, I have a little bit of a love relationship with this show anyway, because you've got the character of Snoopy who can be played by either a male or a female, even though it's even though Snoopy is supposed to be male, women can play Snoopy. And as a non-binary person, I'm happy if I can play either or. It it makes me feel better if I can be like, oh yeah, you'll cast me as male or you'll cast me as a female. I can play both. I can play neither, you know. Um, but it's it's one of those things that I have a little special place in my heart for that. I also got to see this down in uh, St. George, Utah at their opera house. And that was so fun. They did such a good job with it. And they actually did the original version. So not the revival, the London version. They did the original version, but they did it so well that they sold me on it. Nice. And I, cause before that, I did not like the original version. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, y'all sold me on it. Um, just goes to show that art direction and creative yeah like it matters yeah um i also do want to talk about this did win an award uh it actually won two awards uh in the uk um or no it didn't win it was nominated for two awards uh it was nominated for the olivier award for bet for musical of the year and then the actor who played snoopy teddy kempner was nominated for actor of the year in a musical so it still got some nominations, even if it wasn't great. Because with these shows, they're never going to be a great musical. It's just something that'll distract you for a couple of hours and make you feel good at the end, which is good. 
you're not going there for a plot. You're not going there for anything groundbreaking. You're just going there to have a good time. And that's the case with this show and with a lot of shows. That's the case of entertainment in general, right? Yeah, entertainment in general. I mean, it's great when it can make you think. But if it doesn't make you think, I think that's okay, too. Um, we just want to be entertained. Yeah, yeah. Because while we have shows like last week's show that had a uh, definite message... It's nice to take a breather every now and then and not have a message. Just have something fun to watch and not overly extravagant like what we're going to be seeing next week. And also it's Peanuts, which you love. I love Peanuts. I, I specifically love Snoopy. Um, and the cast for this is going to be different from Your Good Man Charlie Brown, where Your Good Man Charlie Brown, uh, the original, had... Uh, Charlie Brown, Lucy, Linus, Patty, not Peppermint Patty, but Patty, Schroeder, and Snoopy. Uh, the cast for this will be Charlie Brown, Lucy, Linus, Snoopy, Peppermint Patty, Sally, and Woodstock. Okay. Um, and they do kind of go more with the uh, quasi-romantic stuff with Peppermint Patty and Charlie Brown, because that was kind of a thing for a long time. In fact, the, the main thing was that Peppermint, Patty, and Marcy loved each other, but they also really loved Charlie Brown, and that would be the one thing that would wreck their friendship. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sitting here going, there's a thing called being bi that you could say about these characters? Hey. Also, there's polyamory if you're gonna go that route and have them share Charlie Brown, but I also was more of a Peppermint Patty and Charlie Brown Shepherd over Marcy and Charlie Brown, because Marcy gets the little kid in, like, she gets the boy in France in Bon Voyage Charlie Brown, so, you know, Marcy's got her French boyfriend. She can have him. You know what I love about when you talk about peanuts is you could literally make up whatever shit you wanted, <laughs> and I would totally believe you. I would totally believe you. It's like, there was Sayonara Charlie Brown, where they went to Japan, and Lucy fell in love with a Buddha statue and got in trouble trying to bring it back home. <laughs> like, and I would have been like, okay, sure, totally. There is the peanut special where Linus has a crush on this girl who gets leukemia. Please tell me you're joking. Nope. That's fucking it's rough. Why Charlie Brown? Why? <laughs> yeah, why Charlie Brown? Why? I mean, she survives. And okay. there's there's a sweet moment at the okay. end of it where she is able to toss off her hat and she's got a little bit of hair underneath, but it's it's a rough one to okay. watch. Okay, <laughs> she, she survived, so that's good. Mm-hmm. But... But they send Linus through this trauma. Oh, yeah, this, this yeah. emotional roller coaster of, I like this girl and she's going to fucking die. Yeah, And yeah. she's like, what, five? <laughs> well, they're seven. Oh, oh. I, want, well, I seven. mean, it's not better. She had, but... She's got a long, full life, full of memories. <laughs> well, for anti-vaxxers, that's a long, full life, so... I mean, that's middle-aged right there at seven. <laughs> hey, <laughs> they're I hate, having their hey, midlife crisis and buying hey, a Hot Wheels Barbie car. So. Hey, hey. In Charles Schultz's time, people were smart enough to not poo-poo vaccines. That's because true. They remember not having vaccines. Yeah. Hey, guys, vaccinate your fucking kids. <sighs> if, if you don't believe us, listen to Sawbones. Vaccinate your fucking kids. <sighs> Seriously. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that's, that's a tangent off of Peanuts. 
um, from Peanuts. So yeah, we're we're gonna watch. This is a community theater production. Um, technically, shouldn't exist on YouTube, so I'm not gonna say who says it because uh, the, the production companies that own some of these shows are strict regarding who can show the videos and with the advent of youtube it's a lot easier to circumvent it but you still kind of have that territory of if they ever decide that they want to put the kibosh on having their shows on youtube they will hey until the time that theater people pull their collective heads out of their asses and start producing this media in a method that is easier for distributing to Mm -hmm. the entire world so poor fuckers like us can still see these shows. Yeah. Uh, you know, we would love to pay for it, but yeah. we have no means to pay for it other than driving our asses or flying our asses out to a theater and mm-hmm. shelling out expensive tickets. Yeah. And, so I we mean, can't do that. We, we kind of rant about this in our Tony's episode, but yeah, it's, it's oh, yeah. kind of bullcrap. I guess that's true. We did rant about it's, that already. It's okay. It's, it's a worthwhile rant. I mean, here in Utah... Pretty much the same, like, ten shows are put on every year from every theater, and so you don't get as much variety. And it didn't used to be the case, but it feels like they've kind of stagnated in what's being performed. I think they've kind of regressed. Yeah, they've kind of regressed, and I, I I will forever miss the years from 2005 to 2008 when theaters were regularly doing really awesome shows out here. That was the time that I was able to do Ragtime and Susical, and uh, I was in Godspell. I was, well, Footloose isn't awesome. Um, but I, I was doing, I was able to perform in more shows or audition for more shows um, that were varied, uh, they were doing ragtime, they were doing Once on This Island, they were doing Civil War, they were doing all sorts of awesome shows, and I feel like they've just kind of stagnated. Um, and that's not to say anything bad about necessarily the theaters, it's just that they aren't, they're all putting on the same stuff every year. And it sounds like they're they're putting on the safe bets. The sa- yeah, the they are. They, they're putting on they the can, safe bets that they can market the most. Yeah, and they aren't gonna have controversial subjects or or less controversial subjects. Yeah, and a lot of times too, it's affordability in these shows. Like, oh, can we afford to put this on? And I'm kind of like, okay, some of these bigger theaters um, need to take the risks because they can. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe there needs to be more sending in letters to these theater companies. Maybe that's what we need to start doing is getting people sending stuff into like, uh, just the smaller theaters and saying, Hey, I would like to see this show that, cause we, we could very easily just go through the stuff that's performed in Utah and half a year's worth of shows, but there's way more than that. <laughs> I don't even know if we'd get a year's worth of shows if we do probably four, not. We do four yeah. shows a month. Yeah, probably not, because if you look at the list of musicals that exist and that you can find, there are so many. And a lot of them we've had to get off of YouTube, because they're either, there's either not a film version of it, like in this case with Snoopy or with You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, 
I mean, we could watch the animated special, but I kind of want to wait to do animated musicals. I agree with that. Um, Because there are some that you haven't seen that I'm still amazed you haven't seen those. Yeah. Um, Like Happy Feet. Um, But then, you know, there's... I don't know. I don't know. I'm just kind of ranting. Because I got on a tangent and I got upset and I got sad because I miss doing theater and I miss when they did more shows than just the same like 10 shows every year. Viva la ton de revolucion! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so we should probably take our intermission and watch Snoopy the Musical and then we'll come back and talk about it. Sounds good to me. Woo! Woo! Okay. Guess what time it is. Is it time to talk about our favorite people in the whole world? Hell yeah! Woo! So this week, we want to give a big thank you to our producer circle patron, Bianucci, and another big thank you to our stage crew sponsor, Jasmine Wu. You guys are so freaking awesome. We love you so much. We're so glad that you are continuing to help and support our podcast week after week. Um, we just... We can't do this without you guys. We love you both so very much. Thank you so much for your support. Now, let's take a quick break to listen to an ad from one of our favorite podcasts called History on Blast. Hello, and welcome to History on Blast. I'm Hillary, and I'll be your host as we call out history. Every other week, we'll be putting a different person, place, time, or event on blast for the shit that they pulled. This ain't your grandpa's history podcast, so if this sounds like your cup of harbor tea, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher. And now, the lights are going down and the music is starting back up, so let's hop into the second act of the show. So, what did you think of this one? When will Snoopy snap and tear out Lucy's heart? When will Lucy die, die, die? Lucy sucks a fat dick, that bitch is a prick. When will that bitch get gone? So long, this is a bad song. I hate Lucy. I'm trying to figure out what song in the show that is. Uh... It was based off a song in the show, but the tune is way off. Okay. It's it's the one where they're singing, like, when will... Oh, uh, when will the good thing start? That one? That one. <laughs> when will Snoopy snap? <laughs> and tear out Lucy's heart? When will Lucy die? Die, die, die! Uh, I can tell that you do not like Lucy. <laughs> Lucy sucks a fat dick. That bitch is a prick. When will that bitch get gone so long? This is a bad song. I hate Lucy. 
There we go. I did it twice. <laughs> so don't say I never gave you folks anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, this is just another continuation in the I fucking hate Lucy saga that mm-hmm. is everything I've ever known about Charlie Brown. Yeah. Um, Lucy's horrible in in a lot of stuff. Like, she has her moments, but yeah. Does she? Does she, though? Ish. Does she really? Like, any time I ever see oh, okay. anything with Lucy where she's even remotely a decent person, she still is a bitch. Yeah, okay, so she has good for her <laughs> moments. <laughs> okay, that's a little bit more uh, reasonable, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like... Uh, it's it's a good thing that she would never, ever have any power over anyone, ever. And if you watch Dog Meets God, that's pretty much solidified. Gotcha. But. Well, beginning this dive, the show opens up with a philosophy discussion about whether or not it's morally sound to keep your loved ones chained up so they can't leave you. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, pets. Keep, keep pets captive so they can't leave. Is it morally sound? I think so, because I don't want my dog to leave me. I would be very sad. Yeah, but we don't chain up Latte, so... This is true. This is true. And Snoopy never gets chained up. And well, the, with the, Charlie Brown. The one time Latte did escape, she went and waited at the front door like, I got out, and I don't like it. Can I come back in? I can't figure out how to get back in, so I'm just going to hang out at the front door. I was feral. And I like domestication. <laughs> you have central air. <laughs> it's hot outside. <laughs> so, Sally makes a joke about a drunk rhino. The wino rhino. Yeah. Uh, the, the opening part is kind of a bunch of quick little jokes. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't really... And, my, my memory is not all that great with that part. No, you're fine. Um, so, like in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, they take actual comics and bring them to life on stage basically with it so these are actual snippets from the comic so with that tone uh so what about the songs songs the songs are original for the music yeah the songs are original for the show are the the are the settings of the songs and the circumstances based on comic strips yes okay yeah they are so so the people who made them just kind of took a strip and they went i can make a song out of this yeah yeah it's it's not the same sort of oh this is a concept album uh like background to it but it is because it's not it never was a concept album like you're a good man charlie brown was but um, yeah, it's, it's, everything's still based off of the comics. Another reason, sorry, another reason to hate Lucy. Oh my god. Uh, that bitch spoils movies for yeah. Linus. Linus is watching a movie and she's distracting him and he goes, quiet, I haven't seen this before. And then she gives him a spoiler for it and like, so-and-so dies at the end. He's like, oh! And what's funny is this production updated the movie because in the original it's Citizen Kane and... Spoilers, Rosebud was a sled. Um, <laughs> what? Oh, we've we've talked about Citizen Kane. Oh, I know. Ad I'm, nauseum. I'm just being a jerk. I've seen that movie too many damn times. <laughs> but um, in this, they, in this, they make it Marley and Me. And we all know how Marley and Me ends, because it's probably got a <laughs> fucking Newbery Award medal on the cover. Ugh. If there's a dog on the cover, I instantly side-eye the book. I have a new Barry Metal joke later on. Oh, sweet. 
<laughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Okay. So Snoopy and Woodstock make their grand entrance. I don't remember what happened. That's the only thing I wrote down. <laughs> and Sally tries to show off the first snowflake of the year. But due to technical difficulties, they have to end the show and tell. Yep. I love that because it's just... I have the first snowflake. Ah, damn it. Like, ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Shit. Snoopy ponders the meaning of life. Charlie says it's go back to bed and hope for a better day. Snoopy has the midnight munchies. Lucy yeah. promises Snoopy a treat and instead gives him the gift of a pat on the head from a human. Snoopy briefly considers murder. Linus pretends to shoot Snoopy. <laughs> That's not different. That's pretty much what happens in this first part. Up to the first song, which uh, is called Sit Up, Lie Down, Roll Over, Play Dead. Yeah. Poor Snoopy. Yeah. Poor dog. You know, I Snoopy is interesting in this because I waffle between, aw, poor Snoopy and you little bitch. Like, because he's also kind of a dick. Like, so, well, I'll get to that in the Beagles are kind of dicks. <laughs> I've only, I've only known a couple Beagles. And they've been really friendly, but the biggest thing I could say about them is that they're food-motivated. Like, yeah. more than most dogs. Mm -hmm. And they're stubborn as hell. They're very stubborn. Like, that's that's the thing where I go, oh, Charles Schultz did his homework making Snoopy a beagle because I guess that's true. beagles are like, what's he's, in it for me? He's always worried about when he's going to get fed, and he's very disobedient. Yes, so. and that's a beagle. They're well, smart, but they're go. stubborn. Well, one point Charles Schultz. Negative point, Warren. Oh. <laughs> Snoopy ponders the meaning of life again. Snoopy needs to change his routine. He needs a change in his life. He needs to change his perspective by changing the way he lays on his doghouse. Because <laughs> I thought that was funny. He's like, I need a change. And then he just, whoop, just flips which end his head is facing. And he's just like, ah, that's better. <laughs> Snoopy decides he's going to revolt against the humans and their stupid comrades. Lucy tells Charlie that she needs to beat Snoopy and remind him his place, or trade him for a goldfish. When Charlie Brown contemplates trading Snoopy for a cat, Snoopy uh, caves into the social pressures of his pre of his predetermined place in, in the social hierarchy. <laughs> I kind of tripped over my own tongue on that. You're fine. So what's kind of funny with that is, in the comics, Snoopy does have a rivalry with the next-door neighbor cat. Oh, he does? Yes, and just fucking hates him. What's the cat's name? Does it have a name? Oh, I'm trying to remember what the cat's name is. Or is it, but... or is it like the little red-headed girl? Is it just the cat next door? No, he has he has a name, but I can't remember what it is. Um, is it Pussy Whiskers? No. <laughs> um, but he it it's the cat next door is like this ferocious mountain lion of a cat. <laughs> so it's like a Steven. Yes, and it's funny too because the other cat that you see in the Peanuts comics is uh, Frida's Pat or Frida's cat, um, and I can't remember what the cat's name is there either. But the thing that I just always remember with that is that she's always carrying the cat just draped over her arms. The cat doesn't move and just is sort of like this liquid cat. So it's like a ragdoll. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And yeah, it's, it's there's there's a Peanuts moment. <laughs> Which you are full of them, because yes. you know shit about this universe. Yes, I do. I wrote fan fiction for it. <laughs> Did you kill Lucy? Please say you killed Lucy. She's not the only one. Okay, as long as you killed Lucy, that's all I care about. Yeah. In, case, in case people listening in have not heard in other things, uh, Kay kills people in her fiction. Thank you for clarifying that. 
<laughs> so as long as she killed Lucy, I'm I'm okay with that. Of any other body, any other any other uh, uh, characters. Ca- well, any other casualties are okay as long as that bitch got hers. <laughs> it's just collateral damage. Just collateral damage in order to get Lucy. So Woodstock has fallen in love. Love the purest emotion, the emotion that blossoms hope and peace. Who? Who is this sweet creature that has a loving hold on Woodstock's heart? It's it's a worm who turns out to be a two-timing slimy creep who flew off with the early bird. Ha ha! Ha! So, <laughs> Snoopy's on his doghouse and Woodstock comes over with a heart, like a cardboard heart, and is like pantomiming that he's in love and Snoopy's filling in the gaps. Oh, you're in love! Who's the lucky whatever? And Oh, it's a worm! Huh, that's like me being in love with my dog food. But yeah. Okay, whatever. And he's like, where's this worm? And Woodstock tears up the heart. And he's like, oh, flew off with the early bird. Mm-hmm. Which I love that joke, because that worm is dead. What I love, too, um, with this is that Woodstock doesn't speak. And this is pretty true to the comics and the specials, because in the comics, any of Woodstock's dialogue was just a bunch of little dashes, like lines, did right he now. did he make noise though like in the cartoons like chirp, 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 chirp. he he would do <laughs> and so that was uh kind of fun to see that because you can't really have them doing that in uh, on stage because well you could you could have them doing the little bird chirping I guess I think being silent works so, okay yeah being stage. silent is fun and then you've got a pantomime character mm-hmm. in this and it just Woodstock's great in this I love Woodstock. Charlie Brown reinforces Peppermint Patty's low self-esteem regarding her big nose, but it's okay. He reminds her that the rest of her face will catch up with her nose, then someone will love her. Patty then sings the ballad of the big nose and laments over her face taking too long to catch up with her nose. Charlie Brown tells her, it's okay, it's okay her nose is big, because she has a nice personality. I, so I have a lot of emotions about Peppermint Patty, um, because she was one of my favorite favorites in the comic strip and first off bisexual icon right there is peppermint patty and second off her backstory is so freaking tragic oh because her mom died oh and so she's raised by her dad who has to work all the time but he still was always like oh i love you patricia and uh, giving her roses to make her feel better when she comes home from school and stuff like so that. But dad, she, though. yeah, she adores her dad, but it's like she still has this low self esteem and she never had a female in or female influence in her life. Which is why she's a little bit more of a tomboy. Which is why she's more of a tomboy. And she just, ah, uh, I, I get kind of like, emotional about peppermint patty because she's from a single parent household which you don't see in kids cartoons at the time and um and especially not a kid raised by their dad and it's never like played for laughs or anything with it yeah they always try to stick to that radioactive family demographic i think it's nuclear but okay (laughs) which is radioactive (laughs) i chose my words intentionally um but uh, another thing that happens with her is uh and it'll come actually i'll let you go into the next scene and then i'll tell you about this part okay sounds good 
Uh, Charlie Brown dons his Johnny Law outfit and rules with an authoritative fist over his corner of the crosswalk, <laughs> which I did think was kind of funny because he's he's the kind of guy who's like, ah, I never have any control over anything in my life, and then he gets just a little bit of authority, and he's like, halt, go, stop, proceed, like he just, and it just made me laugh that part, and I can't remember one of the characters has a line about some people go corrupt with just a little bit of authority. Something like that, Something yeah. Something like that. Uh, Linus knows how to market his report to his audience. They're in school, and his teacher approves of his disingenuous placating of how happy he is to be done with summer and back at school. <laughs> and it was great because he talks about, well, you, the warmth and freedom of summer is is great. You know, we truly are happy when we return to these halls of learning. Yeah. And just totally kisses his teacher's butt and stuff. Little and brown nose. And he's like, oh, thank you, teacher. And then he turns to Lucy and goes, you have to know how to play to your audience. Yeah. I was like, man, you should be a politician. Uh, you probably would be. Senator Blanket. Um, <laughs> Sally rants about the grave injustice she has endured by receiving a C on her coat hanger sculpture. You had told me that they steal this part for You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. In the revival, in the, yeah. And I forgot about that, because as she was doing her rant, I remembered that from when we yeah. we did the other show. It is probably one of my favorite parts, because I love how philosophical she gets. Because oh. she's like, time will be the true you know, judge of a art, of a quality of art. And if I'm being judged on my talent, how is that my fault over something I have no control? And if it's the materials, how is it my fault that these are inferior yes. coat hangers? Like, she just full-on stands in her truth, and it makes me laugh. When I'm not in teacher brain, I love Sally. <laughs> but if I had had to be her teacher, in fact, I was teacher to some kids that could be like Sally, it's like, you little shit. You're right, but you little shit. <laughs> You're like, I can't give in to you because then you'll pull this shit all the time over everything. <laughs> there were there were so many kids that I'd be like, I want to give you a high five, but I also need to be the teacher. <laughs> I also still need my job. <laughs> I need to I need to not encourage this. And I work for a charter school which dis which doesn't encourage individual thought. Uh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Enough. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the kids have a freakout song about the multiverse and all the possibilities laid out before them. Will the teacher call on me? Will it be about Edgar Allan Poe? Will it be something I don't know? The limitless possibilities are too much for them to handle, and their childlike minds begin to collapse in on themselves, resulting in them spouting random numbers and fading from reality. <laughs> so, this is one of the songs that I also absolutely love. Um, and they had this... I don't know if they still do it in Draper, but they did a show every year that was called Broadway Kids. And one year it Sounds was... pretty cute. It, it was fun-ish. Um, <laughs> this was the same show where one of the years they had me sing Ebony and Ivory with a white girl, but we weren't allowed to walk off stage holding hands or being... Fuck them. Yeah, it was, Here, it let's was sing the of Song of Unity, but don't be too united. Yeah, it was, it was one of those things where it was like, fuck you. Really? But, you know, um, but they they had two songs from this at uh, the production that one year. And um, it was a year that I had actually, like, learned all of the parts for this because I'm a theater nerd. What? And I know, right? I it's, think our audience is shocked. Right? I thought I started this podcast. I know, right? <laughs> 
it was a joint effort. It's it's like it's like having a baby. <laughs> um, I mean, well, sorry. Please continue. So, so um, for this one, one of the kids got sick, and it was like, well, I know the parts. If you wanted to show me the blocking real quick, and <laughs> so I had gotten to do it a couple of times, and it was nice. really fun. Um, one point I was Linus's part, and I can't remember who else's part I had stepped in for, but. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, and I love that Charlie Brown is throwing out just the completely wrong books the whole time, including saying that Edgar Allan Poe wrote Dickens' Christmas Carol. It's in the name there, CB. Yeah. It's in the name. And uh, this is also where I want to point out, right before this, Peppermint Patty is jarred awake in the middle of class and is just like, oh, sorry, I've got a little whiplash. Um, she isn't, so the reason why she falls asleep in class all the time is actually explained in the comics, because for a little while, in fact, for, I think it's for quite a while, she decides she wants to take up figure skating. And it actually leads to one of my favorite specials, uh, one of my favorite Peanuts specials, because Snoopy takes on the role of her coach. Aww. And... Because she has no idea Snoopy's a dog. She just thinks he's a funny-looking kid with a big nose and a furry face. Um, Snoopy is a, a mutt of many talents. He is, and he wears clothing and stuff. And uh, that, like, that whole thing was one of those moments where I went, I, I identify with you, Patty. I identify with you a lot. You're, we stan one Patty. And that's Peppermint Patty. We stand her hard. Um, but yeah, so that's where some of her, like, not being able to sleep is because of her extracurricular activities, as well as um, at one point her dad has to travel and she's left alone at home. And there's a plot line where she asks Snoopy to come watch her and then he gets distracted and leaves. And so Charlie Brown has to come stay up at night at her house. Oh. <laughs> Well, and be then. the watchdog. Be the because she's like I can't sleep at night because I'm alone and I'm scared. Oh, so her dad works like graveyard. Or something. Yeah, and oh, it was it was one of those like oh, Patty suck like that sucks for her that her dad's always gone, but at least he's like a sweet dad. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Enough of the sad stuff. We're back <laughs> to me to me being a, a jaded and spiteful person. Uh, <laughs> Snoopy pines for his long-lost bitch of a mother who kicked him out of the house and hid the other children that she really loved so that Snoopy would be picked first. Unfortunately, Snoopy is suffering from cognitive dissonance and is unable to come to grips with his abusive upbringing. Snoopy still loves his mother, no matter where she is. That is legit the story of that song. That part was great because he's talking about that she, he, his mom would hide his brothers and sisters and push him out in front so everybody could get a look at him and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Get when, rid of him. And when he was adopted, she didn't come and say farewell because she just couldn't bear the sight of him going. And, yeah. And you're just like, oh, oh, Snoopy. Which, fun fact about Snoopy, Charlie Brown's not his first owner. Yeah. Yeah, his first owner is a little girl named Lila. And there's a whole movie about it called Snoopy Come Home that's really good. Uh, makes you cry at some points because 
yeah, it's it's kind of sad, but at the same time, it's like, well, it's it's gonna end fine because there's other movies after it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, he he came from the Daisy Hill Puppy Farm, and uh, they do have a few bits in the comic with family reunions, like with his mom or with his brothers and sisters, especially Spike. Is his mom completely disinterested in him when she no, shows up? No, um, they don't really show much with her, but they the main ones that they show Snoopy hanging out with are Spike and Andy. Uh, Andy's a fuzzy beagle. Spike is a tall, skinny beagle who lives out in the desert. Oh. And at one point, uh, married a coyote. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, there's Marbles, who's a beagle with spots all over him. And then I can't remember what his sister's names are. I think one is Belle, and she wears a dress, and she's the only other one that tends to wear clothes all the time. You know, I am legit impressed with your encyclopedic knowledge <laughs> of of Peanuts. What's crazy is I haven't read the comics since I was 13. This is from memory. <laughs> It's good. Like, I'm impressed. I'm legit impressed, hon. Even if it's something that I don't particularly care for, I am impressed. I still have some of the dolls with Snoopy and his brothers. It's crazy. God. <laughs> hey, I still have all my original Pokemon cards. Okay, I refuse fair. to get rid of them. Uh, oh, man. Too much money and time and love invested in them. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Charlie Brown talks about what a wuss he is and how he sat next to the little red-headed girl but didn't talk to her. He, I can't remember, is it Linus or Snoopy? He's with somebody. He's with Linus. Linus. And he, like, reaches into his pocket and he's like, oh, I found a note. How did this note get in my pocket? <gasps> it must have been the little red-headed girl. I sat next to her at lunch, but I didn't talk to her. Like, and, and she must have slipped this in my pocket. And then he opens up the note to find out, excuse me, that it's one of those papers that get slipped in from like the pant manufacturer they're like this has been inspected by yes, inspector number, number 26 <laughs> inspector number 26 <laughs> which just crushes charlie's will to live even further snoopy react <laughs> snoopy reenacts war and peace with hand puppets the six-hour production featured a full orchestra and puppets which would make jim henson proud the cinematic final battle was fitting for any big budget hollywood production like i told warren avenue q looks great <laughs> it's just Snoopy on his doghouse with puppets going back and forth. And then I think it was Lucy said. Lucy was complaining. About yeah. standing there for six hours. Yep. And that's when Charlie says that it's war, that he's reenacting War and Peace. Yep. Which is a common theme in Peanuts. War and Peace? Well, that Snoopy does these hand puppet reenactments of different things for all the kids in the neighborhood. Gotcha. You know, what dog doesn't do that? He's a dog of many talents. Yep. Uh, let see. Sally sings about the impossible nature of bending <laughs> crackers. <laughs> but they sing so bad that Snoopy howls in protest. The girls then sing about all the things they know, important things like you can't trade your brother for a bike, and you can't fit a flea with a collar. Otherwise teachings. <laughs> so uh, it, was, that was, it was just a... You can't milk a cowslip. Yeah, it was just an okay song, just them going, if I'd known all of these things. It was just puns. It yeah. was a song about puns. You can't ring a bluebell. Yeah, <laughs> Kay definitely grasped most of them. Uh, I couldn't make out a lot of them, so I just wrote down the ones that I was sure about. Otherwise, I would have been making things up, which I would never do. 
<laughs> Linus then starts proselytizing the word of the Great Pumpkin. He has superior powers when compared to the inferior Santa Claus. After being mocked, Linus decides to wait in the field until the Great Pumpkin rises from his slumber to soar among the heavens and rain down destruction upon the non-believers. <laughs> Snoopy and Woodstock flank Linus in cool sunglasses, looking like, look, looking like a crazy man's bodyguards. But really, they just don't want people to recognize them hanging out with some kind of kid in his smelly blanket. Patty shows up to twist the knife into Linus's heart and mock his god. But Linus will never lose faith. Never! He is a holy zealot of the Great Pumpkin, and will and all will rule rue the day that they mocked him and his lord. So it's just Linus in a field talking about how great the Great Pumpkin is, and everyone like, Oh yeah, I don't think the Great Pumpkin's that great. And he's like, Oh yeah, well I'll show you. And then he sings about waiting for the Great Pumpkin. I love it. Just I'll give him seven minutes. Alright, I'll wait till ten. Yep. I'll wait till eleven. Wait till midnight. <laughs> but 11.09 is where I draw the line. <laughs> Lucy. Oh, God. Okay. Fuck you, Lucy. Lucy <laughs> demonstrates again why she is despicable and deserves a slow, painful death by claiming that the entire year is her year. After being uh, forced to contemplate her own stupidity, she backpedals rather quickly and declares the year is no longer hers and relinquishes it to the little people. <laughs> I hate Lucy. I will never not like Lucy. There needs Someone needs to make a mod for a video game where all you do is shoot Lucy. Oh my god. <laughs> the kids sing a song about the blue sky and all the things they see in the clouds, and in normal Peanuts fashion, Charlie Brown is not able to get in more than three words before he gets interrupted. I see Charlie Brown snapping in the near future and using Sally to beat the other three to death. <laughs> Feed their dismembered bodies to Snoopy and Woodstock as to, to dispose of the evidence. Oh, wait. That was a fan fiction I'm working on. So. In that scene, they're all just like, I see this and I see that. I see this in the clouds. What do you see, Charlie? And then he goes, well, I see. And then someone interrupts him. That's all he gets to say in the whole song is, oh, well, I see... Until the very him. end. Until the very end, when he's... What does he say? Uh, I was gonna say I saw a horsey and a ducky, but I changed my mind. I think that they were just fucking with him. Being like, oh, I see the Sistine Chapel. Oh, I see the Astrodome. I see the Fall of Rome. <laughs> uh, yeah, Fall of Rome. <laughs> like, you little shit. Oh, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's better that these kids have imaginations and they're seeing interesting stuff versus... Being dickbags. Just being complete ass clowns. I mean, I expect that from Lucy. That's yeah, just yeah. that's just who Lucy is in her core. Uh, but the others, I would like to try and think better of them. That's that's fair. That's fair. However, everyone loses their shit over the arrival of the Easter Beagle, who gives the undeserving masses treats or eggs or something, but he doesn't have enough for Charlie Brown, who once again gets the shaft. Sing your pain, Charlie Brown. Sing it loud and sing it proud. Or or sing it low and slow. Your choice. <laughs> Charlie Brown then talks about when he was a wee boy and first deciding if he wanted a cat or a dog. He went with a dog, and Snoopy used to have respect for his master and he knew his place. But now, now Snoopy thinks he's the alpha because he's self-aware and has demonstrated the capacity to hold multiple jobs and construct elaborate alternate personas. You know... I have a theory. Daisy Hill Puppy Farm 
was near a nuclear test site. <laughs> so Snoopy's entire family, because they're all bipedal beagles, his entire family are mutants. See, I actually had a similar theory, but Snoopy's mom was from an animal testing lab. Oh. And then she went home with somebody, and then, you know, because but her DNA was altered, just like uh, uh, Caesar in Rise of the Planet yeah, of the Apes. Yeah, okay, that's a good theory. Yeah. That's a good theory. Um, especially because, like, just the way that Snoopy and all of his siblings are. And you never see Snoopy's dad in any of this. He's so. a deadbeat. Oh, that would be too bad. Either that or Snoopy's dad died heroically getting his mom out of the animal testing facility. Oh, maybe. There we you go. know what? This would be a good fanfic. Let's do that tonight. <laughs> nope. <laughs> after after seeing the musical with so much Lucy, I need to spend a couple hours killing things <laughs> in the virtual I'll preface in the virtual environment. Charlie then reminds Snoopy that he's nothing. Nothing without Charlie Brown. Snoopy owes his whole existence to Charlie Brown. Snoopy proceeds to tell Charlie Brown to perform a full prostate examination on himself. The other kids come in to remind Snoopy that he's a mongrel. He's worthless. He has no monetary value. They sing it. Sing it! With Snoopy participating in his own roasting. I would feel bad for Snoopy if he hadn't just pissed on Charlie Brown three minutes prior. <laughs> laugh too is that they updated some stuff in this but they didn't update the pricing on a dog have you ever seen how much beagles fucking are i know they're more expensive yeah like if, they you are a, an ex if you get a quote-unquote purebred beagle. yeah they're an expensive breed of dog <laughs> and he didn't like get snoopy at a pet store he got snoopy from a breeder so snoopy would have been an expensive boy possible i mean it would it would depend because you know there's people who just give animals away yeah, and fair, stuff like that yeah. so it just, it just kind of depends on the person who they got them from yeah so who I just, knows i sit there and i go 400 dollar french poodle if only french beagle <laughs> well no they call it they say uh 400 french poodle they do yeah i thought they said french beagle that is one of his usual hang-ups in the comics is that poodles are so much more okay. valued than beagles, which I, is funny because he almost married a poodle. I totally misheard everything then. You're fine. Um, and he, he actually had a poodle fiance for a while who ran off with somebody on the wedding day. Poor Snoopy. Yeah. That, that's another one of those great ones that, uh, that Spike is in. That bitch doesn't deserve you, Snoopy. Correct. Oh, poor Snoopy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the girls then walk away from Snoopy after, you know, ridiculing him, pointing and laughing. Snoopy then reminisces about that old puppy farm he grew up on. And that's when we... Oh, wait, no, no. That's when he dons the cowboy hat with... Yes, with Woodstock. With Woodstock. <laughs> and it's like, no one will miss me. And Woodstock's like, bitch, I'm right yeah, here. Woodstock has this great, like, physical... Not commentary, but physical uh, performance where, like, he's like, oh, no one will miss me. And Woodstock's like, hello, what am I? <laughs> Bitch, pay attention. I, yeah. have no I have no words in this. <laughs> Lucy then comes in and bitches about the weather. It's too hot one day, then too cold the other. I didn't know the show takes place in Utah. <laughs> Weird small world. Soon, all the, kids grow, uh, all the kids show up to complain sing and ask the universe, when will the good things start? Oh, and that's when I wrote... That's right, because they were doing that song, and that's when I wrote my okay. horribly uh, tuned intro song. And 
And that's the end of the first act, right? Yeah, and um, before the London production, uh, this the show would or the uh, first act of the show would end at the Daisy Hill song, and then in London they added this "When Do the Good Things Start" song as sort of like a let's do an upbeat first act finale instead of ending it on the Snoopy's depressed. Yeah. So the second act opens with Snoopy sitting on his doghouse writing his magnum opus. When Woodstock delivers a letter, Snoopy has... Sorry, excuse me. Uh, Woodstock delivers a letter Snoopy has received from the publisher. They are not impressed with his literal with his literary atrocity. Snoopy decides that they are just playing hard to get and wants to and they want to challenge Snoopy to attempt a novel, not just short stories. Snoopy decides that this is the real calling and Sing writes a story that seems to be a little disjointed. It's a king, no a boy in Kansas. No, uh he'll he'll tie it all together later with a flower girl in a shawl and a girl in a hospital. Uh, Snoopy's story climaxes with Woodstock defeating Charlie Brown in one-on-one combat. I smell a Newberry medal! (laughs) I do love the line in there when Snoopy's like, and I've tied it all together. What about the king? Yes! (laughs) Snoopy receives another letter from the publisher who tell him that his story is bad and he should feel bad. Snoopy has no concept of failure and decides it's just a standard form letter. He's sure that they he, he's sure that they'll love the sequel. I speculate to uh, reference small or not small town murder to reference crime and sports. Snoopy is a canine Lenny Dykstra. No, no concept, concept of, of failure. failure. <laughs> Charlie Brown goes to his qualified medical professional for some psychiatric advice. Oh shit! It's Lucy. <laughs> this bitch has outstayed her welcome. Charlie Brown decides he wants to seize life by the balls. And- <laughs> And remain strong and firm with his decision to lick life like an ice cream. That's what happened in that scene, right? I didn't, I didn't miss anything. Anyway. Lucy then demonstrates again what a bitch she is by stealing Linus's blanket, which sends him into a psychotic seizure in which he, in which I almost expected him to murder Lucy with the power of his mind, Carrie style. But sadly, I was let down once again. When, when will someone send this bitch to the great beyond? Okay, so to be fair in this one, her mom had sent her to get the blanket from Linus so that she could wash it. Did they say that? Yes. Oh. I just assumed she was being a twat. Uh, no, no, she has to get, because this happens in the comics, too, where she has to go and get the blanket, and then she's telling Linus, okay, it's in the rinse cycle. Okay, it's in the wash cycle. Okay, it's coming out. It's it's going into the dryer. Okay, it's almost done. Here you go. <laughs> gotcha. It's, it's one of the rare times that Lucy is a good sister. That's right, Linus is her brother. Yeah, okay. he's, he's her baby brother. Okay. Well, her... Because Sally is Charlie's sister. Yes. Patty is an only child. Yes. And then Linus is uh, Lucy's brother. Yes. Okay. Okay. And K-K. then in the in the comics, they uh, Linus and Lucy have another brother named Rerun, who is the smallest, and he looks basically like a tiny Linus. Okay. Thus, Rerun. <laughs> <laughs> Patty. 
says that she doesn't understand love, and asks Charlie Brown to explain it to her. Charlie Brown tries, but makes a sad attempt to explain love. But Patty jumps down his throat at every moment. Patty asks Charlie Brown what kind of woman he thinks he'll marry. In a transparent attempt to find out how she can stuff herself into a Charlie Brown accepted mold, <laughs> Charlie Brown divulges that he wants someone who will call him a poor sweet baby when he's <laughs> sad or depressed. Patty then launches into a song in an attempt to serenade Charlie Brown into marrying her. I assume she lays on she lays it on thicker than a double peanut butter sandwich. Oh, never mind. Patty delivers what Charlie Brown wants, only to tell him, Forget it! It'll never happen. You'll never find someone like that, Charlie Brown. You'll die alone. You know, considering the stuff he was saying to her earlier, though, point one for Patty. <laughs> <laughs> he said she has a nice personality. Yeah, and but... And personality is very personality important. Personality is very important. But because he also makes it very clear that she really doesn't have the looks to uh, attract anybody. And so... Which, it's kind of funny, too, because this scene kind of meshes in all the times that Peppermint Patty and Charlie Brown have these sitting-under-the-tree conversations about the future, basically, and Peppermint Patty is not so transparent. Or, not so transparent. She's very transparent about her crush on him during these, and he just is completely oblivious. Like, oh, yeah. It was it was so apparent that she's just like, tell me what you want, what you really, really want, and I'll be that thing that you really, really want. And he's like, uh, I want this. Uh, I want a woman who will pity me. Yeah, I want a woman who will pity me. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with when you're down wanting your significant other to comfort you. Yeah. That's pretty natural. But the whole poor sweet baby, I thought was a little much. And then when he's laying on her lap and she says, it's okay, poor sweet baby. Mommy's here. I was yeah. just like, oh. <laughs> like, that just sent some some massive shivers yeah. up my spine. I mean, Freudian shit aside, when they say that people tend to go for someone who either reminds them of their father or their mother. Yeah. Uh, I love my mother, but if I ever was laying on you and be like, it's okay, baby. Jesus, Mommy's no. here. I would catapult up and run out of the room <laughs> screaming. Especially because that would mean I was body snatched, so... By my mother? No, just by somebody. It's like, it, it would mean that there was a body snatcher going, <laughs> it's okay, mama's here. Like, ah! Okay. <laughs> All the kids go to the movies, and Charlie Brown wimps out, getting sick to his stomach after hearing, well, they're talking about vomit. Yeah, just like, I hope there's not any throwing up in this movie. Oh yeah, and then he's like, all this talk of throwing up is making me feel like I'm gonna throw up! And he, he leaves. Uh, Lucy hopes for violence, and Sally divulges her psychosis all over Linus, who tells her that she's crazy. Sally says, you think I'm crazy? I'll show you crazy. I'll take a bird to the movies with me. That'll show you, blanket boy. Because so, they're at the movies, and they're waiting in line, and Peppermint Patty goes in first, and then Lucy is like, I just hope that there's violence. And it's no such thing as a G-rated life, Linus. No such Linus. thing as a G-rated life, and... Linus is like, I don't like violence. I hope there's not violence. And then Sally gets really, really psychotic with, you know what I'm imagining? That we're on a date. We went to the movies together. But we're not. I'm imagining that you called me up and said, would you like to go to the movies? And I said, yes. And then you came and walked me over here. He's like, that's not at all what happened. She's like, I don't care. I reject your reality and substitute my own. <laughs> So, and then, and was it, she says like, well, fine, if you won't go with me, I'll, I'll take the next person I see or in line, in line and it's Woodstock. 
Yep, and Woodstock's like, okay, and she just ditches him. Oh, oh, I missed that part. That yeah, she ditches, she ditches Woodstock. Oh, yeah. She peck out her eyes. Yeah. Uh, Poor little burb. Poor little burb. The movie they see is a Spielvin Steberg film <laughs> called Teeth, featuring an iconic giant man-eating shark. The original is the best, in my opinion. <laughs> the kids then sing about transforming into different things, like shape of a tree, form of a bird. Remember, kids, don't be anything less than everything you can be. So, Kay is giving me a look right now because she likes this song and she understands the song. Uh, I'll, I th- let her, I'll let her say some things. So it starts off with uh, Sally saying that Leaves falling from, well, first it starts off with uh, Charlie Brown saying, you know, oh, does leaves, don't leaves falling from the trees make you feel sad? And Lucy's like, no. In fact, I feel glad when they do. It's when they jump onto the tree that you should be in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) And then, touche. And then uh, Sally is telling Linus, you know, I love this time of year when the leaves are falling from the tree. It tells you a very important lesson. Do you know what it tells me? And or do you know what lesson it tells me? And uh, Linus is just like, no, but I'm sure you're going to tell me. And then as she said, they're basically saying, like, don't be the leaf if you can be the tree. Uh, and don't be the tail if you can be the dog saying, you know, be the best thing that you can be. Don't settle for less. Be be the best you possible. I thought they were talking about how they wanted to transform into different things. Mm. Sure. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Kay knows better than to argue with me. <laughs> However, two lyrics that I really did like in this song are don't be anything less than everything you can be and don't be the darkness if you can be the light. Yes. I thought that that shit right there is some philosophical gold. Gold, I tell ya! There's gold in them there musical. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to regret that, but you laughed. So. <laughs> Snoopy shows off the letter he received, validating his promotion to head beagle. The big bow wow. The VIP who pees on trees. God see? damn it. The taptacular boss barker. See? Yeah, see? The mud is going places. He's going to have his name up in lights. See? <laughs> Lucy reads her Christmas letter to Santa and asks for cash, because she would. Yep. She then criticizes that... She then criticizes that socialist joy giver for not moving to a warmer climate, Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. The kids are all gathered around looking at the stars, only to have Lucy give Charlie Brown some more shit. God, I hate her. God, please send a meteorite to smite that bitch. <sighs> the kids and animals then gather around and sing about believing in yourself. If others can believe in you, then maybe you can believe in you too. Except for Lucy, I still want her dead. Get Snoopy. Get her, Snoopy! No, damn it, lazy-ass mutt. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, what's what's that's... fun with that song? So, uh, the last song is Just One Person, which actually... So, not fun about it. It was sung at Jim Henson's funeral. Aww. But it is one of those really good songs, because <laughs> it's, it's a great way to end the show, much like with happiness and the You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Um, ah, penis. But uh, with with just one person, I kind of feel like, in a little ways, it's Snoopy being like, it's okay, round-headed kid. I believe in you. Even <laughs> though 
you're the round-headed kid, and I'm a little dick sometimes. I still love you, because I'm a dog, and we're still pure. <laughs> it reminds me of a phrase I've heard before. It's, uh, you're my favorite turd, and no one's allowed to shit on you but me. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I love, I love this show, even with the cynicism that sometimes happens in scenes. Because they do have the moments that lift you out of it, like the don't be anything less than everything you can be and uh, just one person. Those are two songs that just kind of go, okay, but in all reality. <laughs> no, those, those, that's the thing too, is those songs were definitely really good. And I appreciated that they had a, uh, a very positive, a positive um, message to them. Yeah. And I, I wasn't kidding when I was saying that the don't be everything, don't. What was it? Don't be anything less than everything you can be. Thank you. And the, uh, don't be the darkness if you can be the light. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's some good shit. I like that right there. Yeah. So, so, so any Charlie Brown musical, all it needs really is just more Lucy death. And I will be, I'll be happy. Oh man. So you won't completely like Dog Meets God, but something does happen to Lucy that I think you'll be happy with so i mean if she just grows out of not being a bitch then i would be okay with that too mm. Kay's face says no she's still a bitch just well, not as big of a bitch she um, i don't want to give anything away okay but it's great that's fair it's great and uh that might have to be a bonus episode i think so since it's not technically a musical but... yeah but it'll it'll be fun i will need to see if i can find it again because Last time I was able to watch it was like... Years ago? Yeah, it was years ago. It was like eight or nine years ago. Because it was when we first had started dating. Okay. So, okay. actually, it might be 11 years ago that I've seen it. I, okay, oh, God. I, so, I don't know if it was that long ago, because I do remember you looking at it. Okay. I do remember you okay. showing me a scene from it. So, it must have been nine. Nine years ago that I've seen it. Um... Oh, man, cause I, and I'm sitting here dragging this on because I'm putting off this announcement. <laughs> so, those of you who listen to our mini-episode know about the horror of the Cats musical. And some of you who are on Twitter may have even seen that another musical was also being discussed because of the Cats musical. So, this is episode 29 that means tomorrow, or not not tomorrow, next week, is episode 30. Which means it's a Weber week. Uh, Jesus Christ. Superstar. You know. Is another Weber show we've done so far. So, there's a show that, on the one hand, I feel like Andrew Lloyd Webber is a fucking coward for <laughs> never having done a movie version of this. But at the same time, if they were to do the same sort of CGI like they've done in Cats, it would be a little bit closer, actually, to the original source material of the show. Original source material? So he based this coming show off of something else? Yes. Off of a couple of things, but one thing in particular. I was hoping that he just came up with it himself, but the fact that someone else thought of that. Well, we'll go into the uh, source material completely uh. in the next episode, but we, <laughs> we are going to be covering Andrew Lloyd Webber's Thomas the Tank Engine musical, basically, Starlight Express. So, 
You say basically. Is it just because trains are involved, or is there a Thomas in this? Thomas is not in this, but it does get its start with Thomas the Tank Engine. So it is in the Thomas the Tank Engine universe. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of... Loosely? Loosely. It's loosely in the universe, which is why... On the one hand, I go, oh, it would be cool to do a live version so that I wouldn't have to have watched four different versions <laughs> of this show. Oh. Warren gets to watch it once. Kay gets to have drinks to scrub this from their memory. <sighs> Excuse me, I think I'm coming down with the cough. Four, <laughs> four different versions, and I settled on one that I probably could have seen live when it happened because it was down in St. George. Um, God. Yeah, so next week, guys. Okay. I have a question for you, a very serious and genuine question. Yes. Why are so many theater shows so fucking weird? Like, what? what is it that they go, oh, the best means for me to communicate this important and thought-provoking social issue is through anthropomorphic trains or cats. Oh, there's or... no social issue with this shit. Okay. <laughs> In fact, oh, mm, save it. Save it for next week, Kay. Let save it, it for next week. Let, let it just stew. Let the emotions marinate within you. <sighs> God, I fucking hate this let, show. Let that salt turn to vinegar. Ugh. Okay, so next week, gonna, gonna pour ourselves some stiff drinks and we're gonna watch Starlight Express. Wow, that's very loud on <laughs> on the recording. So thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast. And I hope you can still hear. Yeah, I, I will have edited that down. Um, maybe I'll even triple layer it so that it sounds like an overtone. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so... Uh, thank you guys for supporting us. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at Tone Deaf Musical. Um, and, uh, we're also on Facebook at Tone Deaf Musical. We have a Gmail account, Tone Deaf Musical at gmail.com if you want to reach us there. Uh, you can also hit us up on the Podcast Junkie Discord server, which has some amazing people on it. Uh, we've got podcasters, we've got audio drama creators, we've got podcast fans on there. It's just a really great community. I highly recommend it. I highly recommend the shows that are on there. Um, it's a cool group of people. Like, I've discovered new podcasts that I didn't know I needed in my life. Yeah. And even if you're not a podcast uh, creator, if you're just a podcast enjoy enjoyer, it is an awesome community. Everybody is super nice and welcoming. Yeah. I have not met a single douchebag, which is... Which, for me, I feel like is an achievement, because the internet's full of them. But everybody here that I've encountered has been super cool. Everybody there is like family. It is awesome. And you could join our big family, and not in a weird, creepy cult way. But in a, hey, we're a podcast family, and family of podcasters, and podcast lovers. And um, I, would, I would recommend from their uh, Private Island Presents Up All Night... Um, I would recommend Pomegranates and Pitchforks, which is a Utah-based horror podcast. I would recommend uh, a Ninth World Journal, yes. which is a great uh, audio drama based off of a Dungeons & Dragons-style uh, universe called the Numenera. 
I knew nothing about this this world um, and listened to their podcast, and now I, like, want to know more. It's really good. It is. Um, I would also highly recommend Oz 9, which kind of has, like, a Red Dwarf feel to it almost, which makes me smile because that's one of my favorite shows. I still need uh, to get caught up on yeah, that. Yeah, you need to get caught up on that one still. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a really awesome group, um, and I've got the link to the uh, podcast junkie discord on our twitter as well as in the description of this episode uh if you want to go above and beyond uh feel free to uh hit a or uh hit us with a five-star review on itunes Podchaser, any of your apps that have the ability to review or rate um because that sort of stuff just helps you move up the charts and gets more people looking at it um and if you want to go way above and beyond, you can hit us up on Patreon. Uh, we have different tier levels, uh, with some of them having bonus episodes, some of them having shout-outs. Customizable messages. Yeah. Kay and I are working on some artwork for our podcast that's, that should be pretty dope. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, we just really, truly, greatly appreciate all of your support for our humble little show, coming back week after week and enjoying our silliness and being silly with us, and we hope that we bring a smile to your face each and every week, even if I'm horribly trashing something that you like. Yes, especially if we're horribly trashing something that you like, looking at Grease. <laughs> and if you disagree with something that I say about a show, please feel free to let me know on yeah, one of the, yeah. the, the methods that we have mentioned previously. Because uh, I would love to hear your opinion on why I am an uncultured swine. And I would love to hear your opinion on why you like something that I personally hate. Because even if I don't like it, that doesn't mean it doesn't have value. Um, it just means that I don't like it for whatever reason. Art is subjective. Yep, art is very subjective and uh boy will that be apparent next week um <laughs> so anyway thank you guys again so much from the bottom of our hearts we were excited to come back next week and share with you some more of uh, warren's journey through musical theater but that'll be it for this week i'm Kay. i'm warren and this has been tone, tone deaf, deaf.